0: Africa rise and shine Africa thora Africa amika na una
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, coming to you live from a very cold Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 90-meter band to far west Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 902. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Jalani Tulo and Musibudi Makura. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at this hour, renewed fighting in Sudan's Darfur region displaces thousands of people and calls for and ba- South African President Jacob Zuma to resign again momentum. In sport in economics news, Nigerian president to sign a loan deal with China and in sports news, Real Madrid shocked by Wolfsburg in UEFA Champions League. But first at the news with Romani Tulo.
2: Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. Head of Libya's unrecognized government in charge of the capital Tripoli has refused to hand over power to a UN-backed unity government contradicting an earlier pledge by his administration. Khalifa Khweli, chief of Tripoli's so-called National Slave... Salvation Government issued a statement calling on ministers not to stand down and threatening to prosecute anyone who cooperates with the new government. The announcement is a setback to UN-backed Prime Minister-designate Fayez al-Saraj. He arrived in Tripoli last week and has gained support from key power holders, including the Central Bank and the National Oil Corporation. A statement released late on Tuesday from the militia-backed Tripoli Authority said its Prime Minister, Deputy Premiers and Cabinet Ministers were all Stepping aside in support of the unity government. The International Criminal Court's chief prosecutor has blamed a relentless campaign of witness intimidation as the reason behind a decision to drop the case against Kenyan Deputy President William Ruto. War crimes judges at the Hague based ICC on Tuesday ordered that all the crimes against humanity charges be dropped against Ruto and his co accused radio journalist Joshua Sung. Ruto and Sung had both denied three counts of crimes against humanity committed during the violence in 2007 and early 2008, in which prosecutors say about 1,300 people were killed. No one has been successfully prosecuted by the court for the bloodshed, which claimed hundreds of lives after disputed 2007 Kenyan elections. South Africa's opposition, the Democratic Alliance, says it will start parliamentary disciplinary processes on Thursday against ANC MPs for what it describes as their deplorable role in the Nkandla saga. The DA says the ANC in Parliament's attempts to, down, to downplay the MPs' vote against the proposed removal of President Zuma from office over the Nkandla matter is a sad reflection on the state of the ruling party. The DA says the ANC caucus in Parliament must be held accountable. DA Chief Whip John Steenhuisen.
0: For the first time ever in the post-democratic South Africa, the highest court in the land unanimously has ruled that the president behaved in an illegal way, that he violated the Constitution, that in doing so he violated his oath of office, undermining of a Chapter 9 institution. It is a clear cut case. It would have been wrong for the opposition not to table this motion, given the landmark ruling, a unanimous judgment that came out of the court last week.
2: Meanwhile, South Africa's Pan-Africanist Congress has called on liberation movements in the country to close ranks and stop rejoicing over what the ANC is going through. The ruling party has been under pressure from opposition parties, some religious leaders and academics, to recall President Jacob Zuma. This follows the Constitutional Court judgment that his failure to adhere to the Public Protector's Remedial Action on Nkandla failed to respect the Constitution. The leader of one faction of the PAC, Litla Patele, says calls to recall Zuma is tantamount to regime change change like in many parts of the continent and the world.
3: When we attacked we said this is not an attack on the pieces, the attack on the liberation movement. Now the forces are aligning themselves and they are taking all vestiges of the liberation movement and this is a challenge. An alternative to the ANC, it should come from the left, not from the right because if it comes from the right we are going back in bondage because whether we like it or not The white capital, who are not even defeated, they still think that they can choose who should lead this country.
2: And finally, thousands of people continue to flee the Jabal Mara area in the Sudanese region of Dafua as air raids and clashes between government troops and rebels continue. That's according to the UN peacekeeping chief, Herf Ladsu, who was briefing the UN Security Council on Wednesday. Jocelyn Sambira reports.
4: Humanitarian agencies on the ground report that as of March 31st, more than 138,000 people have been displaced by renewed fighting in Jebel Mara, an area in the Sudanese region of Darfur. Jebel Mara, a chain of volcanic rocks located between north-central and south Darfur, is being used as a rebel stronghold by the Sudan Liberation Movement. Restricted access to the area has blocked the joint UN-African Union mission in Darfur-Unamid and aid agencies from reaching
2: all those in need. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo.
0: Africa rise and shine.
1: Thank you, Jolani. It's 806 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on this Thursday, April the 7th, the 98th day of 2016, with 268 days left in the year. Hundreds and thousands of people continue to flee the Jebel Mara area in the Sudanese region of Darfur as air raids and clashes between government troops and rebels continue. As according to the UN peacekeeping chief, Ev Latu, who briefed the Security Council. Jebel Mara, a chain of volcanic rocks located between north, central and south Darfur, is being used as a rebel stronghold by the Sudan Liberation Movement. Jocelyn Sambira reports.
4: Humanitarian agencies on the ground report that as of March 31st, more than 138,000 people have been displaced by renewed fighting in Jebel Mara, an area in the Sudanese region of Darfur. Jebel Mara, a chain of volcanic rocks located between north-central and south Darfur, is being used as a rebel stronghold by the Sudan Liberation Movement. Restricted access to the area has blocked the joint UN-African Union mission in Darfur, UNAMID, and aid agencies from reaching all those in need. Hervé Latsou, the head of UN peacekeeping, briefed the Security Council on Wednesday.
5: With a new outbreak of fighting in Jebel Mara, the mission has focused its efforts on ensuring the protection of the civilians and the displaced. In this regard, UNAMID established protective areas near displacement sites in Sortoni, in Kapka'i, Kapkabia in Tawila, and in Nertiti, where a total of approximately 103,000 persons have sought refuge, which led Yolamit to reinforce its military and police presence in the area to intensify day and night patrols in order to maintain security and law and order.
4: Because of these restrictions, the exact number of civilian casualties cannot be confirmed either, says Latsu. UNIMIT also reports fighting in the localities of Sarong, Kandigo, and Kawila in central Darfur, as well as a reinforcement of government soldiers in Golo and Guldo, an epicenter of the violence. Against this backdrop, the political process to settle the Darfur conflict remains polarized, the UN peacekeeping chief notes. A referendum is scheduled for April 11 to decide whether to keep Darfur as a single region or retain the five current states. Voter eligibility has proven to be controversial, says Ladsu, while some political parties have expressed concern over what they described as the unsuitable timing of the process given the fighting and additional displacement in Jebel Mara. Meanwhile, Sudan's permanent representative to the UN, Ambassador Omar Dahab Fadl, expressed regret that efforts to implement the peace accord were being thwarted by the rebels.
3: With the exception of popular Congress party, all major opposition parties, as well as major Sudanese armed movements, continue to boycott the process.
4: The Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir has confirmed that the ballot would take place as agreed to in the 2011 Doha Peace Accord, according to media reports. Jocelyn Sambira, United
1: Nations. The prosecutor of the International Criminal Court has refrained from announcing that they will appeal the decision to dismiss the case against Kenya's Deputy President William Ruto. Judges at the ICC threw out the case on Tuesday for lack of evidence. Our Europe correspondent Jack Parrock reports.
6: A weight off his back. Kenyan Deputy President William Ruto is celebrating seeing the three counts of Crimes Against Humanity against him dismissed. But while it's a relief for him, for the Office of the Prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, it will be seen as a major loss. Fatou Bensoda is the ICC prosecutor.
7: My office did not have full access to documents and records that may have further shed light to the truth. Ultimately, The hurdles we encountered in our efforts to investigate and prosecute have frustrated the course of justice for the victims in this case.
6: Judges at the ICC deemed there was not enough evidence for the trial against William Ruto and his co-defendant Joshua Sang to continue. But in their statements, the judges remarked on the 17 witnesses who withdrew their testimony in this case. The prosecutor accuses the Kenyan government of non-cooperation. Charges have been levelled against three Kenyans relating to witness tampering. But some observers say the dismissal of this case means the prosecutor should rethink how they process investigations. Liz Evenson is from Human Rights Watch
2: the ICC is going to confront many of the same challenges that conspire against impunity in national courts. So the difficulty of protecting witnesses, the difficulty of finding evidence, the difficulty of making people feel comfortable that they can come forward without, without fear of retaliation. These challenges don't just disappear because the ICC steps in.
6: For the 1,200 victims who were killed in the violence post the 2007 Kenyan elections, in which William Ruto was accused to be implicated, their best hope now for justice will be if the Kenyan government itself decides to investigate the violence. While the charges against William Ruto have now been dismissed, the ICC judges left the door open for a new prosecution if new evidence is found, and that will remain on his mind as he ramps up his election campaign in Kenya for 2017. Jack Parrick, Brussels.
1: A Kenyan lawyer representative of victim representing victims of a two thousand and seven ethnic violence that resulted in the death of thirteen hundred people has asked ICC Chief Prosecutor Fatou Bensouda to appeal against the termination of criminal charges against Kenya's Deputy President William Ruto. James Mangula reports.
8: Ruto had been accused of orchestrating violence that erupted shortly after disputed presidential election results. Proceedings against Ruto lasted 157 days with 30 prosecution witnesses giving evidence. Reacting to the ICC court ruling, Wilfred Ndiritu, a Kenyan lawyer representing victims of the 2007 ethnic violence, said it was a big disappointment to the people he represented at the ICC court in the head. Nderitu says he has pleaded with the ICC chief prosecutor, Fatou Bensouda, to appeal against the ruling, Derrito discloses the extent of disappointment by the ethnic violence victims that he
9: represented at the ICC in The Hague. A good number of uh, the uh, people that I have spoken to have been somewhat disheartened uh, by uh, the decision of the trial chamber. Uh, but uh, my advice to them was that it is a decision that must be respected because it is not uh, just fished out from the air but it is it's it's got a solid legal foundation Uh, but uh, having said that I have also told them that uh, they need to understand that uh, this is not the end of the case and that uh, there are uh, lots of uh, options victims uh, as uh, you might know are only participants in the proceedings and therefore they do not have uh, the general right that would be available to the parties that is the prosecution and the defense terms of appealing but one of the things that uh, i have been arguing is that final judgment of the trial chamber is appealable in this case of course by the prosecution
8: as kenyan lawyer willie fredindarito has said the ruling terminating william ruto's case is appealable meanwhile ordinary kenyans i have been making varying comments on the ICC ruling in the William Ruto case. Here is a sampling of the comments.
3: We want to empathize with the victims of post-election violence who were given
5: false hope by um, Moreno Ocampo and ICC who actually had no intention at all of cutting out credible investigations or a process of justice, but basically um, uh, using people as a political example uh, to assert the, uh, 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 the power of the court, but not to find justice for the victims.
7: I am not uh, happy about uh, the ruling of the ICC because there are people who suffered. People lost their families, their kids, their livelihoods. They lost everything they had because of what happened during the post-election violence. So when everybody is set scot-free, who then is going to take all the blame? Because everybody seems to be innocent. From my point of view, I'd want to know who is going to get justice for the ones who cannot get justice. To be very honest, I would not say that I'm happy that uh, everybody has been acquitted. We at least needed one or two people to answer for everything that happened.
8: Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyola.
10: south african and international companies who are legends of empowerment will be honored at the 15th annual oliver empowerment awards on the 14th of april at empress palace in johannesburg this is a special year for the awards and it only seems right that this time is taken to honor those organizations who have generated real impact in the transformation space Channel Africa will be there and will bring you a live broadcast at 1900 hours Central African time of the Minister of Science and Technology Naledi Pando, guest speaker at the 15th Annual Oliver Empowerment Awards on the 14th of April with a geared focus on making sure the younger generation is not redundant in the job market over the coming years. Join us as we promote empowerment, development and growth of our continent's youth. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Good news of our listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605471711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605471711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: and You're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The UN's top official on the prevention of genocide says the question of identity and diversity continues to be of serious concern even 22 years after the genocide in Rwanda. In an exclusive interview with SABC News, the UN Secretary generals Special Advisor on the subject slammed what he pointed to as unacceptable rhetoric from nationalist leaders, particularly in Europe and the United States, seeking to exclude people from their countries on the basis of race, religion or ethnicity. He also took a swipe at the current Republican presidential frontrunner in the United States. Show and Bryce Peace has more.
11: Preventing genocide, ethnic cleansing and crimes against humanity. With the Secretary General's special advisor on the prevention of genocide warning that unless the world constructively manages diversity, it will continue to face conflicts around the world.
3: Identity issue is today a serious issue we have to look into.
11: Listen to Adama
3: When I hear Listen every day uh, politicians around the world, be it in the Western world, be it in Asia, uh, uh, using uh, outrageous language, languages, language of exclusion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I hear the nationalistic people uh, in Europe and even in the United States, when this aspirant candidate to the presidency, <laughs> to not name him Donald Trump made uh, a, a statement against, uh, I would say, Muslim. I say this is unacceptable. We have all to stand up because we are all human beings.
11: From sectarian divides in Iraq, Syria and the Central African Republic to the ethnic clashes that shaped South Sudan's devastating civil war, the risks of genocide are ever-present. I asked Dieng, If the UN and its Security Council act swiftly enough today, given the failures of past. To my
3: view, till today, we need to do more. But we have learned lesson. Go to South Sudan, where also I sounded the alarm when I saw the Nuer and the Dinka, a conflict which was a power struggle turning into an inter-ethnic conflict. I was worried. But then what happened? The special representative of the Secretary General, Hilde Johnson, opened the doors of the uh, UN camp to allow people to come in to be protected. And this echo what happened in 1994, where the doors were closed. Mm-hmm. At that time, hot the United Nations, the international community, provided troops in Rwanda, one could have protected the Tutsi population against uh, those uh, those who perpetrated the genocide.
11: The Rwandan tragedy is deeply personal to Dieng, who departed Kigali just two days before the mass slaughter would begin. He was on assignment in the country as then Secretary General of the Commission of Jurists, and later as the registrar of the International Criminal Tribunal for
3: Rwanda. In the constitution of Rwanda today, there is no longer any reference to Hutus and Tutsis. But what is important is not only what is in the book, but what is in the mind of the people. We have to make sure that every Rwandan stand and recognize he or she is a Rwandan and that they will have to join hands, work together and to build together this beautiful country which is rwanda i mean when you see the economy of G- rwanda today if you compare it with mm. other countries within the continent you can be proud of what they have and achieved. they're doing something right absolutely <laughs> and the fight against corruption because we have to remember one thing and in fact one of the i'm doing some research on the issue of corruption and genocide because at the end of the day, corruption is the cancer which really is affecting most of the, our countries around the world.
11: Warning that corruption and human rights violations are often the early warning signs of negative things to come. I'm Sherwin Bryceby in New York.
1: South Africa's civil society organisations are planning mass mobilization around the country to pressurize President Jacob Zuma to resign. The United Against Corruption movement, led by ANC veterans, leading clerics, activists, former judges and activists, are pushing for President Zuma to go, following a constitutional court judgment, finding that he failed to uphold respect and defend the Constitution. Angela Boulana reports.
7: On the steps of the Constitutional Court, they launched their campaign. United Against Corruption says it's a conglomerate of 240 civil society organizations united to see President Jacob Zuma out of office. And the work starts next Saturday, calling on South Africans to have their say with the main event at Regina Mundi Catholic Church in Soweto. Reverend Mohsen is one of the leaders.
12: South Africa is in a constitutional crisis. The Constitutional Court has spoken. The public protector has spoken, the churches have spoken, Robben Island prisoners have spoken. They all say or suggest that for the good of the poor and the marginalized of South Africa, Jacob Zuma must resign or be recalled by the ANC as President of the Republic.
7: Justice Zeki Akub, who also had a hand in writing the Constitution, joined the leaders on the stairs saying last week's landmark ruling is clear.
0: The Constitutional Court left it to us to decide how serious the violation was. It kept quiet and left it to our judgment. It didn't expect us to make distinction and say, because the Constitutional Court did not say it was serious, because it has a modesty to keep quiet, we can say it was not serious. So now, because of this lawyer-turned-politician approach, I have to say it
5: was serious.
7: Among the leaders are former ANC Deputy Secretary-General Cheryl Corollas, ANC veterans Dennis Goldberg and Mavusum Simang, health activist Mark Haywood and former Qasaji General Secretary Zolindze Mavavi. The ANC has dismissed their campaign. General Secretary Gwede Mantashe has called the coalition desperate and dangerous.
0: Mavavi wanted to be the president of the ANC, uh, promoted by Jim. When that didn't happen, they decided to walk away. And if they are going there to plot whatever... It's expected of them when you walk away out of an organization because your ambitions are not fulfilled. uh, You can do anything. It becomes a desperate situation. Uh, Desperate people are are very dangerous because they can set the country alight and uh, only wake up when we are all in ashes. So, it's unexpected.
7: ANC members within the coalition say they are talking to branch members to join the cause. The Sefako Makato branch, based in inner city Johannesburg, has become the first publicly known ANC branch to formally write to the party demanding that the NEC ask President Jacob Zuma to step down. Failing this, they want the party to suspend him to face a disciplinary process or the Integrity Commission. Failing this, they want the party to call for a special elective conference. Branch Chair Sasabuana Mankanyani.
8: So, our branch is constituted about uh, 100 and something members uh, and, uh, you know, there was no any dissenting view from the branch general meeting that we had. Uh, In fact, everyone in that particular meeting had something to say because generally our membership uh, were very disturbed about the latest development and uh, that is why they mandated ourselves as the branch executive committee. To address this matter with the national leadership.
7: Meanwhile, President Jacob Zuma's son Edward has labeled the campaign to remove President Zuma as a ploy by white monopoly capital.
5: People have been uh, sent to see to it that they deal with the standing and the good name of the president, and they must do everything in their powers to do that, regardless of what the highest court of the land says. I mean, on its own, that will have to tell you uh, there is a sinister agenda with sinister forces, obviously, uh, that uh, have come out to add their views in saying the president must step down all of a sudden.
1: That was South Africa's President Jacob Zuma's son, Edward, ending that report by Angela Boulwana in Johannesburg. South Africa's ruling ANC veteran Mavusom Simang has backed the initiative taken by the ANC Makato branch in Johannesburg, calling on President Jacob Zuma to step down or face a disciplinary action. This is as civil organizations are planning mass mobilization around the country to pressure President Zuma to resign. The move follows constitutional court judgment found that he failed to uphold, respect and defend the constitution. has more.
0: The Johannesburg-based ANC-Sefa branch has taken an unprecedented step to call on President Jacob Zuma to voluntarily step down or face the party's integrity committee. Branch members and leaders have used the constitutional court judgment to accuse the president of bringing the ruling party into disrepute. On Monday, the ANC's National Working Committee decided to approach branch members to explain the party's position on the historic concord judgment. However, it seems some branches like Sefako Komakato won't be patient enough to wait for that process to unfold. The branch is calling for President Suma's seeking and the convening of a special national congress. ANC's veteran and President Suma's fierce critic, Mavusom Simang, has come out in support of the Sefako Makato branch resolution that President Suma be recalled. I think they've done the right thing. I have had to do this same thing.
12: I just thought people must know that others in the ANC do not agree with what's happening. And this is what uh, Sefalo Machato is doing. I, I do that when I write there and people ask me, oh, would you consider leaving the a and say, it's impossible, where will I go? I would rather flush out the wrong people there and we get proper leaders in. I'm not looking to, to go into leadership uh, myself, but there are so many
0: people who must be given the space. Meanwhile, Simang, who addressed the ANC's lily-sleeve branch members in Midrand, has cautioned the ANC's top leadership against marginalizing the black middle class and intellectuals, especially those residing in Gauteng. Somebody mentioned quite correctly here that there
12: is no struggle that is without intellectuals. They must always humble themselves and take the position of the less educated, less privileged you need them because of the advantage they have of understanding the political economy economics pool. So they play a role, a vital role in any revolution. These clever blacks look after family in rural areas and elsewhere. So they are few, few as they may be in number. They have a long reach. I can tell you that there are about 10 people who depend on me.
0: It's not as if I'm doing them a favor. It's part of our culture. Members of the ANC's National Executive Committee have also come under attack from the majority of party supporters attending the activist forum. Terence Zaley accused ANC members of disregarding the interests of the party's rank and file by rubber stamping decisions He claims has the potential to erode public confidence on the ANC. I think the ANC, it was elected
3: in the conference by branches, and they must begin to go to the census and understand that as branches, what we intend to want to achieve. And uh, it's not about one man's show, because organization is very broad. And as much they've been elected or be captured on their independence somewhere else, they must begin to realize that African National Congress itself has rise because there's no way that it will rise somewhere else. It's rise within the branches. All these NEC members, including the president, that are coming from branches, will not go outside and criticize. We'll criticize what is relevant in the meeting of the ANC, in the sittings of the ANC, in the activity forums of the ANC. So we raise our views sharply. It's an opinions that we are having as members, with no shying away and fearlessly. Rivonia trialist
0: Dennis Goldberg, an anti-apartist struggle veteran Ben Rock sent messages denouncing the current ANC leadership. Tsepo Ikaneng, SBC News, in Midrand.
1: Our headlines up next with Jalani Tulo.
2: Thank you, Lulu. Making headlines, head of Libya's unrecognized government in charge of the capital, Tripoli, refuses to hand over power to a unity government. South Africa's ANC Secretary-General, Gwede Mandashe, warns that civil society organizations who are involved in a campaign to pressure President Jacob Zuma to resign are trading on dangerous grounds. And finally, authorities in Cyprus agree to hand over an Egyptian man accused of hijacking a passenger plane and diverting it to Cyprus. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo.
0: Africa, rise and shine.
1: Thank you, Jalan. It's 8.33 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa, rise and shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Zimbabwean police have blocked an anti-human trafficking protest in the capital, Harare, yesterday. Women's rights activists wanted to protest against the trafficking of girls to Kuwait, Last month, a Kuwait embassy official was arrested together with several Zimbabwean accomplices on allegations of trading over 200 women from Zimbabwe for sex slavery under the pretext they would be provided with employment. More from our correspondent, Simon Muchemwa, in Harare, Zimbabwe.
13: In a move said to have been triggered by the tense environment ahead of the Thursday meeting between war veterans and President Robert Mugabe in Harare, Zimbabwe police on Wednesday blocked a march against human trafficking at the Kuwait embassy. Scores of protesters were dispersed by armed police in the capital leading to the arrest of at least three. A month ago, the local media exposed a scam involving kuwait embassy officials in a human trafficking fingering one Brenda anvil May more than 200 zimbabweans were lured into applying for jobs advertised on the facebook only to be used as sex slaves in kuwait and dubai when the scam came to light A Kuwait official based in Harare together with several accomplices were arrested but were allowed to pay bail. This led to women rights activists organizing a march against the Kuwait embassy. Speaking during a media briefing on Wednesday, Linda Tsungirirai Masarira, National Coordinator of Zimbabwe Women in Politics Alliance, expressed concern over the continued trafficking of Zimbabwean women and the slow action by the Zimbabwean government to repatriate stranded girls in Kuwait.
7: To raise our concern to, to the Kuwait embassy in the government of Zimbabwe, to that they expedite the process of repatriating the Zimbabwean women who are stranded in Kuwait. Because we actually realise that the Zimbabwean government is not being serious about this whole issue. They are taking it as a small matter of which it is their responsibility to ensure that those women are repatriated as soon as possible back to Zimbabwe.
13: According to Linda, the march to the Kuwait embassy was to be followed by the handing over of the petition demanding the repatriation of Zimbabwean girls currently employed as sex slaves in both Kuwait and Dubai. Amid claims that some 200 local women could have been sold into slavery, police have warned Zimbabweans to be cautious with offers of employment abroad. However, women rights activists in Harare complained of increased poverty, leading to desperation among Zimbabwean youths. Companies are closing and jobs being lost daily in a country with over 80% unemployment. Regardless of the ordeals of those trapped and reports of sexual abuses, ill-treatment of trafficked women, and subjection to inhuman working conditions, the subsequent delay in repatriation of these women boggles the mind and is a serious violation of international laws and treaties on human rights, linda said
7: um zrp started calling me at 6am in the morning telling me that we could no longer go ahead with the demonstration and i told them that it is our constitutional right we have the right to demonstrate we have the right to demonstrate to the government of zimbabwe to, to petition the government of zimbabwe and the kuwait embassy now they came here they said we cannot go ahead with the demonstration we have to go to ZRP at our central police station um we have decided to go there and hear what the superintendent wants to say we are, we are still going to go ahead with our demonstration
13: Meanwhile." Well. Calls have been made for an emergency relief action to repatriate those affected, a speedy process of finding the perpetrators and their prosecution. For future purposes, the Zimbabwean government has been urged to consider putting legislative measures to ban bogus employment agencies luring women to foreign countries in the fraudulent pretext that they will get lucrative jobs. On one hand, the protest on Wednesday becomes the second to be blocked by the police this week after Movement for Democratic Change protest that was moved to the 14th of April with police citing a tense environment due to the war veterans meeting on Thursday. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa.
2: If you have friends and family in the United States of America who enjoy staying in touch with news from home, Tell them they can call 605-475-1711 and listen to Channel Africa from any mobile phone. The best part is there is no extra cost for the call when it originates from the U.S. So tell your friends and family in the U.S. to listen to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: It's 8.39 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The global prevalence of diabetes has nearly quadrupled since 1980 and has risen faster in low- and middle-income countries than in high-income countries. as according to Dr. Etienne Kroogh. Director of the World Health Organization's Department for Management of Noncommunicable Diseases, the organization has published its first ever global report on diabetes. The direct medical costs of diabetes, meaning costs of labour and supplies, amount to eight hundred US billion dollars annually. Doctor Krugh elaborates.
5: The World Health Organization is dedicating World Health Day this year to diabetes. To draw attention to the rise in diabetes, we're seeing a dramatic increase in the number of adults affected by diabetes from 108 million in the early 1980s to over 422 million today. That's a fourfold increase, and it's happening in all countries in the world. In fact, we're seeing a sharper increase in the poorer countries than in the more developed countries, which in the past used to have the highest rates and now have the lowest
9: rates. Diabetes has actually been seen as a disease of affluence in the past linked to eating maybe too much sugar and especially among young people. Is that a fair characterization and what other misconceptions might there be about the disease?
5: Diabetes has long been seen indeed as a disease of affluence. This has changed and it has changed quite quickly. We see now much higher rates in lower and middle-income countries than we see in the high-income countries, and the rates are increasing faster in poorer countries. Diabetes has been linked with eating too much sugar. This is one of the causes. We should link the rise in diabetes to broader factors such as lack of physical activity, and unhealthy eating, which has to do with sugar, but also with uh, fat, for example.
9: What is the cost of diabetes to the world's health, and what consequences are there if we don't take these steps to tackle the disease?
5: Today, 8.5% of the global population has diabetes, so it affects a large proportion of people, as well as their families, of course. This has a physical and a mental cost for those who are affected, but it also has an economic cost for individuals and their families, because treatment can be quite expensive. Uh, we know, for example, that one month of insulin treatment for the lowest-paid government working represents 2.8 days of work in Brazil, 4.7 in Pakistan, and seven in Nepal, or even 19 days in Malawi. We also know that diabetes has very big financial costs for society. If we add up not only the direct medical costs but also the lack of productivity, the direct medical costs alone are over 800 billion every year.
9: What kind of ways can we tackle this, this rise in, in diabetes and, and the problems that are, are linked to it? We need
5: to take action on our eating and our physical activity habits. We need to increase this by working at very young age, starting with breastfeeding policies, for example, and ensuring healthy eating habits at the very young age, as well as increasing playing outside, physical activity for children rather than spending the days in front of the TV and the computer. We also need to work throughout the lifespan, including with uh, workplaces, for example, where we need to make sure that uh, physical activity and healthy eating is being promoted. We need to work with private sector to reduce sugar and fat content in food and have policies like that all over the world, including in the poorest settings, where people need to be able to make these healthy choices. We also need to make sure that people who have diabetes are diagnosed on time before complications arise and that they have access to the medicine. We know, for example, that only a third of lower-income countries say that they have insulin and other diabetes medicines widely available. That means that in two-thirds of poorer countries, people don't have access to these medicines who often are a question of life and death.
1: That was Dr. Etienne Crook, Director of the WHO's Department for Management of Non-Communicable Diseases, speaking to UN Radio's Carmen Cuesta Roca. Workers of Lily Gold Mine in South Africa's Bumalanga province will be holding an urgent meeting today to discuss a way forward after the February 5th shaft collapse. It's now over two months since the mine shaft collapsed, with three workers who were working inside a container lamp room on top of the shaft. Since then, the workers have not been retrieved from underground due to unstable ground. Vusi Twala reports.
14: The Lili gold mine collapse has brought about uncertainties to both workers and residents of Lost Creek. Although mine management has confirmed that workers will not lose their jobs, the workers remain concerned. After meeting with the mine management on Wednesday morning, workers' representatives now will give feedback to the entire workforce at the mine on Thursday morning. AMCO's um, French secretary, Apetniko Makongo, says workers will be discussing the impact of the mine collapse. We are planning just a joint meeting for all employees of MIMCO, particularly mine and Babrook. All employees must attend that meeting. It's about the the way forward. So the time will be 8 o'clock at Babrook. This one is a agent meeting. The detail is about the way forward after accident from the 5th of February. Mine management has indicated that it will take about six months to drill a new shaft to gain access to where the workers are trapped. Mine spokesperson Kuzia Zitzman says plans to start drilling the new shaft are at an advanced stage.
5: We are in the process um, of um, getting uh, ready to build a new portal into the mine. That will allow us to take heavy vehicles into the mine and continue our search uh, for the container. But also, it will allow us to, um, you know, to start our mining operations again. Uh, it's obviously a process. There's a lot of planning that needs to go into it, um, and we also have to make sure that we have all the funding in place. I think, as you can imagine, it will it, be quite an expensive endeavor. And uh, we are hoping that in uh, the next uh, couple of weeks uh, we will be able to break ground and start uh, building the new portal into the mine.
14: Meanwhile, the Solidarity Union has made claims that it has information about the cause of the collapse at Lily Mine. Spokesperson Juren van der Hefe says they will make the information available to the investigators of the incident.
5: We want to prevent the mine from closing down with immediate effect and hundreds of workers losing their jobs. And As safety of our members and the mine's uh, employees are, however, our first priority. Meanwhile, we will assist the management of the mine in the search for the trapped miners so that the family members can gain closure. Um, Should we have disclosed the sensitive information concerning the cause of the collapse of the mine, the search for the trapped mine workers would have been delayed even further. So um, we will disclose this information and assist the people in the investigation with the information we have regarding the
14: collapse. Most of the family members of the three mine workers who remain trapped underground have returned to their respective homes. Amvusi Twala in Bombela.
1: Our economics update up next with Jolani Tulo.
2: Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. Panama, a country in Central America, says it will form an independent commission to review its financial practices following the leak of information from a local law firm that has embarrassed a clutch of world leaders. Governments across the world have begun investigating possible financial wrongdoing by the rich and powerful. Panama is still considering who will be in the commission. Farm mechanization on the continent is the only way Africa can fast-track its agro-processing ambitions. This according to the President of Marketing at Messi Ferguson, Steve Clark. He was speaking to the media ahead of an agricultural summit in Lusaka, Zambia. Amina Akram reports. The summit, the first of its kind on the continent, is expected to attract over 3,000 farmers, mainly from the Sadiq region. Up to 100 machines will be on show to encourage farmers to move into new generation farming. Agriculture employs 65% of sub-Saharan Africa's labor force and accounts for 32% of gross domestic product. Farm mechanization still remains a somewhat neglected element on the continent. Nigerian President Mohamedou Buhari will sign a loan deal with China during a visit next week. Nigeria has been in talks with China's state export import bank for a loan for months. A a financial source says the loan will fund construction work of Chinese firms for infrastructure projects in Nigeria. Angola will begin loan negotiations with the International Monetary Fund this month as lower oil prices hamper the finances of Africa's second largest crude exporter. Angola's economy has grown rapidly since the 27-year civil war ended in 2002. Oil output represents 40% of gross domestic product and more than 95% of foreign exchange revenue. And finally, Kenya Central Bank has placed Chase Bank Kenya under receivership for 12 months to protect depositors, creditors and the public. Chase Bank experienced liquidity difficulties following inaccurate social media reports and the departure of two directors and was not able to meet his financial obligations. Taking a look at the financial indicators, the U.S. dollar is trading at 1512 South African rand, at 1082 Botswana pula, and at ten seventy sixty seven Zambian kwacha. It is also trading at 0.70 to the British pound and at 0.87 to the euro. On the commodities market, gold is trading at 1,002. $1,226 and platinum at $946 an ounce. Finally, the price of burnt crude oil is at $40.13 a barrel. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo.
1: Thank you, Jalani. Our sports update up next with him, Sabudi Makura.
15: Thank you, Good morning sports fans and starting off with football news. Real Madrid coach Zinedine Zidane urged his side to remain calm after their Champions League hopes suffered a setback with a shock 2-0 loss to Wolfsburg in their first leg of their quarterfinal tie on Wednesday. The Frenchman who took over from sacked Rafael Benitez back in January said the 10 times European Cup winners could still turn the tie around in Madrid next week against Wolfsburg who are playing in their first quarterfinal. Real went into the 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 game still on a high after their 2-1 victory over Barcelona in the El Clasico last Saturday and knowing the Champions League remains their best hope of silverware this season. Two goals in seven minutes from Ricardo Rodriguez as well as Maximilian Arnold gave the hosts a two-goal cushion after Real Madrid had pegged the Germans back early in the first half. Meanwhile, Manuel Pellegrini, Manchester City coach, praised his team after playing out a 2-0 draw against Paris Saint-Germain in their first-leg quarter-final clash on Wednesday night.
9: It's a very good result uh, because we play against a very good team and, and away, and score two goals. Also, is very important. But I think that the leg is absolutely open. We need to play a very good game in Manchester because we are going to play against a team that plays well, that has very good players. And they normally, similar as our team, they try to play away or at home in the same, in the same way. So we have a difficult 90 minutes in Manchester, but I'm happy about what was the result tonight.
15: On World Tennis News, World Number 3, Lucas Sitala made a solid start to his title defence at the SA Open with a composed victory in the Quad Singles opener against Australian Heath Davidson at the Ellis Park Tennis Stadium in Johannesburg on Wednesday afternoon. Sitala dispatched the unseeded Davidson in 57 minutes to win in straight sets of 6 Love 6-2. Now Standard reports.
10: Heath Davidson returned to tennis in February after seven years out of the game. Lucas Sottoli had never played the Aussie and had no idea what to expect from their first head-to-head in the SA Open at Ellis Park Tennis Stadium.
6: He moves uh, quite well in the court. Uh, he has uh, big shots also. So the only thing I did was to be patient, try to move him more, try to make him play an extra ball, uh, which it happened, and then I got the short balls and then it was easy for me to put them away.
10: Sottoli enjoyed the clash, saying it will serve him well as he faces six-seed Jamie Burdigen from Germany in Thursday's quarter-final.
6: It was good for me to play this guy in a tournament uh, because a lot of the guys in the top ten, uh, now they started to move uh, quite well on the court. They started to cover a lot of, of corners. Uh, so you just need to be patient.
15: Standard is the Open, Ellis Park Tennis Stadium, Johannesburg. Meanwhile, Hotadzamunjana, ranked eighth in the world, effortlessly defeated Francesca Cordones of Chile six love six one. The South African will face a formidable opponent in defending champion Jaske Griffin from the Netherlands in Thursday's quarterfinal.
7: I mean, when you push your opponent hard when they, they're breaking down, I think that's the moment you really need to keep hitting them hard. So she might be number one, but every player, you know, breaks down. She's a good player, but we, we all we all break down. I guess it's just more on how you, you execute your gameplay. With her, when she does that, if you don't take advantage of that, when she gets out of it, she comes back very strong. So you need to use that opportunity because she's, she's a very strong player mentally and she's been playing for so long so with experience you really know how to bounce out of that situation so that's why it's important when she's breaking down you need to yeah hammer her on that
15: and finally in boxing news Manny Pacquiao and timothy bradley arrived in las vegas ahead of the third fight which will take place at the mgm grand garden on the 9th of april the saturday's fight will be the third meeting between the two at the same venue as their two previous encounters 32-year-old Bradley controversially defeated Pacquiao when they first met back in 2012, but the Filipino gained revenge in the 2014 rematch, scoring an unanimous decision to win and regain his WBO welterweight title. Uh, this is the happiest I've ever trained. This is the, I, honestly, I feel like I need to train for this fight, honestly. That's how fresh
11: I feel. I did the right amount of work this time. I didn't overtrain. I'm ready to go. No excuses. Saturday night should be a great
15: night for us. The bout, which is expected to be Pacquiao's last, will be the 37-year-old's first since he lost an ununanimous, um, un-unanimous decision to unbeaten American Floyd Mayweather Jr. and the so-called fight of the century in Las Vegas last May. April
13: 9th, is going to be uh, more action in the ring, It's going to be a good fight because um, uh, I believe that Bradley, he has a new uh, coach and he can bring more... Uh, uh, more action in the ring with and I
10: believe on
13: Saturday
15: the fans will be. happy. The Zai Sports News and Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
0: Africa rise and shine. Africa, Zai. Africa, amika na
1: Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa. Renewed fighting in Sudan's Daffel region displaces thousands of people. Calls for embattled South African President Jacob Zuma to resign, gain momentum. And Zimbabwean police block anti-human trafficking protest in Harare. That wraps up Africa, rise and shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Komotora Magaza and... Homo Polane, technical producer Adrian Kenney and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info.channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at RiseShineAfrica or send an SMS on 277-969-57930. Now taking us to the top of our hour for the news on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-metre band to southern in Africa is Matterfix with a song titled Living Four.
10: Yeah.
11: yeah.